When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. friends happy pride and welcome to pod friends my name is matt scott i am your host and i am so thankful that you are joining me on this pod friends journey if you're just tipping your toe in well welcome thank you so much you'll probably be happy to know that all the episodes of pod friends can be found in the pod friends feed rob is website.com slash pod friends feed where you can subscribe and hear from people in this rhap community and one thing i love about pod friends and i'm excited to share as we dive into today's episode which is the Father's Day-ish episode, Father's Day-aligned episode, um, is that there's so much that we don't see or that we don't know about people. I always think of that MTV diary show, which said, you think you know, but you have no idea. And that's how I feel about a lot of our guests, including this week's guest, who is none other than David Bloomberg, who you know, of course, from the rules, the rules um, that dictate how people could win, how they should play Survivor. And of course, on the other hand, unfortunately, why they lost. And so I am thrilled for you to hear the conversation with David, because David is someone who has been around not only this RHAP community, but in fact, longer than this RHAP community has been in existence in this reality TV in this reality TV world. Um, in fact, having his own website in this space before a lot of people were really commentating on and talking about reality TV um, all the way to now where he hosts Why Blank Loss and where you can see him on RHAP. David is newly retired. He's figuring out what that entails, what that looks like. Um, he is a father of two sons in their 20s, which makes him a great fit for this Father's Day edition of the podcast. A former environmental engineer and manager, someone who definitely takes science seriously, um, and someone who also comes from a background that um, that I didn't fully expect in talking with him. And so it was great to have the conversation to dive in, again, about fatherhood, retirement, the rules, of course, lots about the rules. Um, and about the evolution of this community, um, again, beyond just RHAP, 
what has the journey looked like to where we are today? And how does David stay on top of it and adapt and embrace things like TikTok and Twitter tips? Shout out to Twitter tips. Uh, maybe you want to leave David a tip. Who knows? Um, but, you know, I really love to hear from his perspective and learn from it. And, you know, you you hear us talk about it a little bit, but this was definitely an intergenerational conversation. It was a meaningful conversation. And at the end, to be honest with you, David and I ended thinking there's so much more we could have talked about. Like we didn't talk about the time that he appeared on the Morton Downey Jr. show um, to argue with psychics. We didn't talk about the time he turned down going on Oprah to talk about miracles. So there's so much more about David that's interesting. Might have to do a part two of this some point. So we'll figure that out. Speaking of Father's Day, I also just want to send a lot of love to people. I know that we have a really diverse community. We have some people who are fathers. We have some people who are probably going to become fathers, who want to be fathers. Um, we have others who probably don't. And actually, Dave and I talk a little bit about that um, over the course of the podcast. But I, I also want to send love to people who are having a challenging day today. I'm someone who lost my dad five years ago to a rare form of leukemia. And my dad at the time was my best friend and really continues to be one of my um, biggest heroes and inspirations. And so just want to say that as we talk about fatherhood and what that's looked like for David, that um, if you are someone who is having a rough day on Father's Day or this week because of Father's Day or in relation to this conversation, I just want you to know that I see you. I'm showing you so much love, sending you all my love and um, just want you to know that you're not alone with all of this and that a number of people in this community um, also can relate to that struggle as well. Again, sending so much love. Before we dive in, I just want to thank you all for being here on the journey. I mentioned you could subscribe, leave those five stars. Please leave a review. Let me know what you think. I'm going to start taking a look at those for season two to see what's coming up. You could do that at robhiswebsite.com slash podfriendspeed. You could watch on YouTube um, at robhiswebsite.com slash YouTube, where you could subscribe and see videos just like this one. If you're listening to the audio, you could suggest a guest if you go to bit dot ly slash podfriendsnum you could become an rhap patron at robhiswebsite.com slash patreon and if you go to the show notes you can find so much more like where to follow podfriends on social media where to follow me on social media spoiler alert at hey podfriends on social media especially on twitter and um of course at matt scott gw on twitter and all of the places you could even email me at podfriends at robhiswebsite.com. That's podfriends at robhiswebsite.com. So there's so much, but um, I don't want to hold hold you all from hearing the conversation with David because I had a lot of fun and learned a lot from him, his perspective, his worldview, his life. And so um, without further ado, let me welcome David Bloomberg. Making his way to the podcast, tailing from Springfield, Illinois, he is the creator of the former website Reality News Online, as well as the reality TV Halls of Fame and Shame. Here on RHAP, you may know him ever since Survivor Cambodia as the co-host of the series Why Blank Lost, breaking down 
why survivors lose, and what you can learn from them. He's the voice teaching us to scheme and plot, but not too much, to be flexible and not let our emotions control us, to play the social game and lower our threat level, and to vote out the weak, then the strong, then the weak, then the strong, and so much more. A recently retired engineer, a father of two in their 20s, and someone who proves that rules are made to be broken. Please welcome David Bloomberg. I do feel the need, David, you know, as a, as the seasoned, more seasoned podcaster here, the more seasoned RHP podcaster here. If you were me, how would you start this episode? (laughs) I mean, I always start them the same way. So that's kind of hard. You know, I just say, welcome to Why Blank Lost. And, uh, and, and go from there into usually some sort of little, you know, little bit. Um, so I think I could probably do something that's like, welcome to why David's here. I don't, I didn't really work that out. (laughs) Hey, it works. It works. We'll we'll go with that. So welcome to why David's here. Uh, I'm Matt Scott. This is weird. I'm I'm going to abort, abort mission. Uh, but David, thank you for being here and for being part of this pod friends uh, journey. And well, I mean, maybe a good place to start is uh, is what's what's up. That's that's gonna, that should be my official first question. What's up? And then just what's run up? With it. Yeah. What's up is um, well, for me, what's up is I just retired from my job of over 30 years, uh, people watching why blank lost, uh, saw that, um, I originally hadn't brought it up, but Jessica brought it up. And then I, uh, mm. uh, on the, uh, season wrap up, I, uh, rubbed it into, uh, Jessica, Tiffany and Voce, uh, you know, wearing a Hawaiian shirt and everything. So. Wow. Okay. Well, look, you're, you're the news is out there, but I, I guess maybe a, another question I have for you just as we start out as, as you're in new retirement, do you have any idea why you're here? Do I have any idea what, like, I don't mean, a, I don't mean in a universal sense. Okay. No, I mean like in this pod friends episode, what, like, why do you think people want to hear from you? And I want to hear from you. Um, well, I hope they want to hear from me. Um, you know, because there's some interest that I've been doing this for, for so long. I think it's actually because your logo is a couch and I podcast from a couch. And <laughs> so it's your just, couch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm one of the few people who podcasts from a couch. I think that's the one piece that, that um, people didn't know is that your couch is the Pod Friends logo couch. That's so. right. <laughs> Look, no, I, I really wanted to, I really wanted to, uh, talk with you today to have a little bit of an intervention because Uh-oh. as this comes out this is like the father's day mm-hmm. edition of pod friends and you know i like to think to myself if i you know i don't have any kids but i'm like if i were a dad i would be a cool dad not a strict dad um and then i look at you david and i'm like you you know you you might be a cool dad but you have a lot of rules and <laughs> that to me doesn't sound like a lot of fun so <laughs> I think that that's this also might be the end of the interview if you're just offended and walk off. But no, no. Uh, yeah. Um I think I was somewhere in between. I think I was pretty strict mm-hmm. uh in certain things, but I think that both of my kids who are now grown, they're uh, 26 and 23. Mm-hmm. Um they would say that they got away with some things. They have they have told me that they got away with some things. Um and, uh, you know, one of them was better at pulling the wool over our eyes than the other one. Um, 
Hmm. Uh, you know, one one would uh, fold upon being confronted, uh, whereas another one, the other one would just stand fast and be like, no, no, I did not do that. Not to expose them. And I also realize that there's a 50% chance that it's one or the other. So that's a whole other thing. But is there like an example of an example of that, of the one folding versus an example of the one who's like staying steadfast? Uh, well, uh, the one who folded, for example, he had been punished uh, and was not allowed to watch TV for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I went out. And we had the TV set to like the home network, HGTV or something. Yeah. Like that. When we came back, we turned the TV on and it was on like Nickelodeon. Not okay. Well played. You're, you're busted. And so as soon as we confronted him with that, he was like, yeah, you know, he, he saw it. the other one. I think we could have confronted him with video and he would have been like, no, no, that did not happen. Yeah. Um, so you know uh but uh but you know like i said they're both grown now and uh they're both great i'm very proud of both of them so this is kind of something i'm wondering you know we have the rules you Mm -hmm. know you're famous for the rules i will david could you could you walk could you just like list out the rules off the top of your head i realize there's a poster behind you yeah there's a poster behind me there might be a mug here Uh, there's also the mug um, here, I'll put the mug here just so I don't get it wrong. Cause I, although the, the writing on it's a bit small, yeah. uh, rule number one, of course, is scheme and plot. Yeah. Rule number two, don't scheme and plot too much. Mm-hmm. Rule number three, be flexible. Mm-hmm. Rule number four, don't let your emotions control you. Rule Easier number five. Yes. Yeah. Well, it is. You're right. And a lot of these are actually, yeah. um, Rule no, and I, you will see I am checking it because the last thing I want to do is get my own rules wrong. And I, I always doubt, you know, I am trying to set you up for that. Yeah. Um, so rule number five is pretend to be nice and play the social game. Rule number six, don't be too much of a threat. Um, rule number seven is know how to handle, uh, idols, advantages. And we've recently added rules of the game. Um, and these, of course, are the survivor rules. And then uh, rule number eight is the it, it's it used to be uh, the one that Rob loved so much, which was vote out the weak, then the strong, then the weak, then the strong. Mm-hmm. It was modified to um, keep your end goals in mind. So basically, you should be voting with your end goals in mind, not for any short term game. And then as a subtitle, basically, it's it's the voting out weak, then strong. So the big question I really have, though, is you you created these rules. How old were your kids when you created the rules, David? Well, it was after season one of Survivor. Mm -hmm. So I originally wrote them as a newspaper column. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wrote it as, you know, what future Survivor players need to know or need need to learn. And so that was... You know, what was it? 21 years ago, roughly. Mm. Um, and so, you know, my oldest son was about five. And, you know, ever I since then. I might see where I'm going with this, though. I'm, <laughs> I'm curious about why they don't use the rules against you more often. <laughs> well, they. You set yourself up. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, I, you know, there there may have been some scheming and plotting on their part. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have said before, these rules can be useful in real life in certain ways, too. You know, I I will say, you know, if if you're in a job, you may need to scheme and plot a little bit, but don't do it too much or else you'll get caught uh, and, and things like that. Um, you know, but really, this is so. Neither of them grew up as a survivor fan. This is mm-hmm. where I consider, uh, you know, my, my biggest failing as, as a parent um, in that because I was covering survivor and at, this was in the days, you know, before TiVo, you, yeah. you had VCRs, but if you missed something, you know, you had to wait till the show was over and rewind it. And I was posting recaps on my website immediately after the show aired Mm -hmm. and i wasn't one of these lucky people who today get access to the episode ahead of time you know like when we see um entertainment weekly or uh, xfinity or some of the other places immediately pop up with recaps that's because they had access to the episode ahead of time Mm -hmm. um i didn't have that uh except on very very rare occasions so what I would do is on Survivor night, I would come downstairs. Uh, we used to have a door between our kitchen and downstairs. We eventually got rid of it, but I would close that door mm-hmm. and I would watch Survivor. And so unlike some of these people that we now see on Survivor, they're like, I watched it as a kid with my parents. I didn't do that. And they just never got into it. And um, you know, my oldest uh watched the last two episodes or last two seasons mm-hmm. and we'll see if he keeps watching um he they're both big brother fans they both really like big brother oh. uh but yeah just not survivor you know i i i failed there that's interesting look if that's your biggest failing as a parent or at least your biggest self-reported failing yeah. as a parent <laughs> then that's pretty good um but it's interesting i always i it always amazes me when people don't fall in love with survivor as much as i'm in love with survivor and you know there's like the way that you approach survivor even with the rules and you know if if half the people knew like what there are rules for how to do this it's not just lying to people and backstabbing like no it's really kind of complicated actually and there are a lot of social dynamics in there i think that they would appreciate that survivor is this fully formed thing but i like one reason i'm excited for this conversation for pod friends with you is because You've been around this world of Survivor, not only as a fan, of course, but in this way, covering it from the very beginning. You have the rules that are so deeply embedded in the game that there are people who are referencing them in their, for better or for worse, in their exit press, in their in their intro press. Like, I'm going to follow David's rules. And we see how that works out, right? People referencing your rules in live reality games, online reality games, all of the things. But something I, I feel like there's so much that I still don't know about you and your backstory. Even one thing I I'm curious about though, before going like way, way back is like, obviously you've talked so much about survivor. You've had these rules. I don't remember. 
I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't remember seeing you on Survivor back in the day. Mm, no, no. So, I'm, so I'm curious. Just, just in case. I don't know. Maybe you changed your name or something yeah. like that. Um, there, there was, there were a few other Davids. Um, that might have been the problem. But like, wh- I don't know. What's been your relationship with that? Have you ever wanted to be part of it, or did you just enjoy, you know, watching from afar? Do you still want to be part of it? I guess is a valid question. Yeah, I mean. Over time, I have wanted to be a part of it, uh, but my health has always been an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so first, about 10 years ago, I was like one third more of a person than you see now. I, I lost about 90 pounds in, mm. in about nine months. It was not the healthiest way to do it, but yeah. Um, uh, And so before that, I was overweight enough that there was there was no way I was going on Survivor. Mm -hmm. Um, I also had bad knees. I also had um, a a thyroid problem. I had most of my thyroid out due Mm -hmm. to an illness. Um, And so all these different things, I, uh, you know, I have asthma, uh, which was worse then. Um. So all those things kind of combined together. I'm like, well, they're never going to let me take thyroid medicine on Survivor. Mm. And by the time I learned, oh, yeah, they do let you take your normal daily medications. Um, I had other issues come up. And I also saw what Survivor can do to people. You know, those close-up shots of Stephen Fishback's feet. <laughs> um, that's enough to push anyone away from, from playing the game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no comment. Stephen yeah. Fishback, who may or may not be, uh, well, who hopefully will be a future interviewee on Pod Friends, <laughs> probably has lovely feet these days. He's yes. in DC here, by the way, somewhere. So yes. if I see him on, out in the summer with his flip flops, I'll let him know. <laughs> um, hopefully he never hears this. You can yeah. continue talking about Stephen's <laughs> nasty feet. Well, I mean, it was just everything, you know, the injuries that people have said that they've had, the health problems that they've had. And I mean, I, those sorts of things, as much as I want to play, uh, the other thing is these days people are going in knowing who I am. Mm. If, if, I mean, I have been in other online games where people are like, we need to target Bloomberg first because he's the guy who talks about why people lost, you know? Right. And so I can only imagine in survivor, if you were on survivor and playing against me and you saw me there, wouldn't you be like, I have got to get this guy out because ha, I'll show him why he lost. I mean, I just know it would happen. You know, I I might've been able to get away with it before we went to video, but (laughs) Now I'd have to give a fake name and people would be like, yeah, that's not who you are. So I, I, I just really feel like in many ways, and I'm not comparing myself to Rob at all, but I think Rob has said similar things. If he goes back, which hopefully someday he will, but I think mm. that if he goes back, there will be a contingent of people who are like, yeah, get him out. Yeah, it's rough. It's sad too. And it, it's, uh, it is interesting though that you mentioned the online uh, and these other reality games. Have you played a lot? I know, I know you've played, you know, different games like Mafia and related mm-hmm. games, but have you played any like survivor based games? No, I just haven't had the time. Maybe I will now. 
Yeah. Um, I guess I should also mention, by the way, when I said retired, I, I should have said this before. That's from my day job, not from podcasting. This is like not a <laughs> swan song here or anything, you know. Um, I'm glad. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm glad that we didn't get that. I'm, I'm glad you clarified that just so people uh, didn't. But honestly, I mean, you know, retirement is pretty big business if you ask like Tom Brady or someone. So maybe we yeah. should just pretend we cut, we'll cut it. We'll cut it out. We'll just pretend that you're fully retired. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like outside of the rules themselves. I guess uh, I'm curious as we talk about this before moving on, have there been, I don't know. I'm curious how, like what the response to you has been from people in the community in general. And you've had 20, you know, 20 years of being visible in the community. Um, so maybe there's been a flow to that, but in my mind rules, well, there's so many things I could say about rules rules. Some would say they're made to be broken rules. Others would say they're not a lot of fun uh, to be the guy who's associated with the rules, though, is an interesting role. You know, you could be viewed as someone who has a lot of expertise. You could also be viewed as someone who's who's not, you know, not as fun, not yeah. like more of a buzzkill. Like, come on, David, why are you bringing the rules in here into this conversation? Well, I, what's yeah. that like? What's that? What's that outside perception been like? And and I'm also curious, like how you've heard from people over time. I love I loved when you were mentioning the VCRs uh, a mm -hmm. few minutes ago, for example. But like, obviously, there's been the evolution from the forums to social media. What has that feedback been, though, along the way? Um. Well, I mean, when I started, it was just. So let me go way back to how I started. And some of this I've talked about before. Yes. The way back machine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, you know, started not writing about reality TV. I started writing uh, in general about science and pseudoscience. Mm -hmm. And this was just an interest of mine. And I'm, I'm an engineer. Uh, and, but I'm the type of engineer that is unlike many other engineers. And I, I've worked with enough of them. I know the cliches. I taught them. I've worked with them. The cliche is engineers can't write. Mm. Um, I have always been able to do both. And so even when I became an engineer, there was the question of, well, do I want to go down that path or do I want to go down a different path? And so I was writing and at first I wrote for a local newsletter, you know, you'd like the VCR reference newsletter. There's an oh. old, old time reference. Um, paper kind, paper kind, mailed. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I had a, a monthly column there um, among other things. I started also doing some writing for a couple of niche magazines in that same area. Mm -hmm. Then I started doing some freelance writing and then I started doing book reviews, primarily of nonfiction books, um, ended up doing it for my local paper, uh, where I did like two nonfiction book reviews a month. And then someone else did a couple of fiction book reviews a month. And so this became a regular thing. I did it for, like I said, some other publications. And then I thought, well, you know, I don't like that these appear in the newspaper and I've read this whole book and yeah, I got paid a little bit for this review, but it doesn't appear anywhere else. No one else can see this. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the web was opening up and I mean, before that, even, you know, even going back further, I had been involved online for years and years since college. Mm -hmm. And, you know, before there was uh, really an internet, a worldwide web. 
uh, just on message boards. And so I was familiar with, with everything. And so anyway, I decided to find a place where I could publish. I found a website that paid per click. So per impression, rather. Right. Every, everybody who read something, I got paid something. Now, they were paying what today you would look at and say is an extraordinary overpayment. <laughs> okay? And this was in the days when people were just putting tons of investment seed money into websites. Uh, it was the mm-hmm. dot-com boom. Yeah. And so, you know, I was getting a very little bit with that, but it got me involved in some discussion forums and I saw some, what other people were talking about. And some other people were talking about how they wrote about survivor. And I was like, Oh, and I looked at their articles and I was like, Oh my God, I could do so much better than this. Mm. And, you know, I was watching the show. I was interested in the show. And I was like, I, I should start writing about the show. So I started writing about it, started, you know, getting uh, those all important impressions and you know, started building, building from there. Well, as I said, that was the dot-com boom. What happened after the dot-com boom? The dot-com bust. Yeah. This company could not sustain it. We saw it coming. Uh, all the writers in the forum, you know, the company was denying throughout, you know, they were like, no, 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 everything's fine. Everything fine. literally until the night that the repo people came and took their servers, mm. they were denying that they were in any financial trouble. Wow. And so they went out of business owing like a lot of people, a lot of money. They owed me at the time, $3,000, mm-hmm. uh, which to me was a lot of money at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, still you know, a decent amount of money. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Um, and um, but some of us had foreseen this, and there was another company that had opened up that was like, "Okay, we will create a website for you. We will do the work. We'll put together the website. You just provide the content, and we'll split ad revenues." Okay, so their reality news online was born. And so I started writing for, you know, writing all the articles there. The first official article that appeared on reality news online was why Kel lost. Mm. So that was uh, survivor Australian outback. Yeah. Um, and from there it just, you know, I just kept going and I started adding new writers and, um, you know, just making, you know, making friends with people, adding new writers but what I was not was really, I was not really involved in the community. So that's a very long answer mm. to getting to, to what your original question was. Yeah. Part of it was I didn't have really that much time to get involved in the community. I was still, you know, I was working a full-time job. I was raising kids. I had a family. Um, and part of it was I didn't want to accidentally plagiarize anything. So I didn't mm. want to read someone else's article and then accidentally do the same thing. Um, which looking back, I don't think I should have worried about that. I think there are ways to incorporate other people's thoughts as yeah. we do now, you know, as long as you give them proper credit. Mm. Um, but at the time that's, you know, that was my thought. So I never had a message board or anything like that because I knew how much work it was to moderate a message board. When I said I had been involved in message boards since college, I 
had moderated a number of different message boards, including some internationally spanning ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I created rules, you'll be surprised to hear, huh? uh, for some of these message boards, some of which are actually still in existence, I think, some uh-huh. of these rule sets. Um, and so I knew how much work it was to moderate a message board. I didn't want to deal with it. So that's, you know, I just, we wrote, we wrote and we told people to email us if you want to contact us. Mm -hmm. And so what that website was missing was a sense of community with the people who were reading. Mm -hmm. We had a community among the writers as things grew, but we didn't have a community among the readers as much. And so, like, if I could go back in time and, you know, change something about that, I think I would change that and and create some sort of message board that would have gone along. Because this was also before, like, Facebook groups were really a thing either. Yeah. Um, even Twitter. I only joined Twitter right at the tail end of of my time on, uh, you know, with, with Reality yeah. News Online. Mm-hmm. So. So that's a long answer to the the first part of your question, you know, for the community back then. Yeah, it's interesting, though, that there wasn't. Well, I guess it, it is interesting to hear all of this, to think about how everything's evolved. Like you're talking about communicating with people before the Internet was really the Internet. And it's wild because that wasn't all that long ago. Like I like when I was a kid as a 30 year old, I'll say for context for people, like when I was a kid, I remember, you know, our dial up and you had to have Mm -hmm. everything hardwired in. And then the little AOL, the dial up noise and AOL and all that stuff. And how like you had to have the little disc to install AOL. And you're even talking about like before that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about uh, for any of the people who might remember something called FidoNet. Oh my gosh. Okay. Is that like a dog? dog Well, yeah. Um, It was, I, I don't know where they got the name, but it was a network of individual computer bulletin boards. Uh-huh. Okay. So there were local computer bulletin boards. People would call in directly to the computer hosting it. Oh my God. And there were message boards there. And then, so some of these were local and some of them were part of FidoNet. FidoNet had all these different forums. And what would happen is, so let's say that I was running it, which at one point I did. Let's say I was running the bulletin board. Uh, I ran at, at the time the Temples of Syrinx bulletin board, which is based off of a Rush song. Uh, and so, <laughs> I, um, like, I won't even I won't even detour. <laughs> um, and so people would call in; they would see the messages on the message board. They could reply to one. Okay, if it's local, if they were replying to someone local, then that person, when they dialed in next, they would see it right away. Mm-hmm. Otherwise. What would happen is I would dial in to somebody like a regional coordinator. Okay. And pass all the messages to them. And then they would distribute it to the other message boards, but they would also distribute it to national and international coordinators. Mm -hmm. So you could have messages that took three or four days to get to their intended recipient. And you would have these, I mean, like you could have political arguments going on where you could even lose track of, you know, you could send a message and then you see something else and you send a message and, and yeah, there are just days and days in between these. And that was, you know, that was message boards back in those days, mm-hmm. um, which led, I, I think that went in, I, 
I'm trying to think of how long that went. I don't think, I, I think that ended at least for me before Survivor. Yeah. Um, but there were other, you know, message boards. There was Survivor Sucks. There were things like that. Now, I never really got into that because I was like, well, I like Survivor. Why would I go to a board that's called Survivor Sucks? Right. Um, but I remember when I went to one of the finales, it was the first finale I went to in L.A. Um, so I think it was our, our good friend, Thailand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, I just I, I don't remember how it happened, but I ended up getting together with other people who were from Survivor you know, online media and message boards. They all knew each other. They knew me. I was embarrassed. I didn't know who any of them were. They were like, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so from Survivor Sucks. I'm so-and-so. And And I'm like, oh, hi, you know? And yeah, I just, I didn't know who they were. They were great people, Um, but I, I didn't know who they were. That's funny. It's funny though, because that's a lot of like, we still have that with podcasting at times mm-hmm. except there's a there's very much an acknowledgement like it, it, with some of the live shows and live events like oh it's nice to meet you and like they're obviously the person on the other end doesn't necessarily think oh you should know who i am mm-hmm. or whatever and so there is that relationship and i think on maybe on pod friends at some point i've talked a little with people uh, definitely off pod friends. I've talked to people about like parasocial relationships and what that uh, kind of how those develop and what those look like. Like, Oh, you think you like, I mean, I'm sure I had a parasocial relationship with mo- most of the people who podcasts on the <laughs> network. Like, Oh yeah, Rob, I know you. And uh, except I don't know you uh, for example, but um, yeah, it's interesting. Cause uh, just on this topic, I'm curious, is there, you know, kind of a two part question. Is there anything you miss from that? the time you're kind of describing of the infancy of what you're doing of the infancy of the internet. And then is there anything that you're glad that we left behind and, you know, that we don't have anymore? Um, I think what I miss about that is uh, probably more selfishly. There were a lot fewer people doing it. So Mm. like when I was doing it, like I was at one point, my, my website was listed in Entertainment Weekly's top 100 entertainment websites. Yeah. And I had no idea this was coming. Like I got Entertainment Weekly, but one of my uh, assistant editors like messaged the group. It was like, have you seen the new issue? And I'm looking at the issue. It was in an insert in the center and mm-hmm. we were listed. And I was like, oh my gosh. And it was specifically for my interviews with Survivor players. And you know, it's, but then as time went on, it became easier and easier to do a website and more and more people started putting together websites. And so there was just this proliferation. Now, again, that was totally selfish on my part. It's good to have more voices, Mm -hmm. but at the time I wasn't thinking of it that way. At the time I was like, who is this person who just created some sort of blog and did it? Cause I, I never called myself a blog. I was a website and, you know, we had editors. We didn't, you know, we, we had, you know, strict rules of, Mm. uh, you know, that I sent out to all the writers. Um, You know, this is the words you will capitalize. This is the way you will refer to people. Um, And so 
you know, I tried to hold everything to a higher standard and I felt that we were kind of just drowning in the masses. And then podcasts came along and this guy named Uh-oh. Rob shows up, you he know, ruined everything. I know I've told him that. Um, but, uh, um, you know, but other people did too. So there were, you know, now things I don't miss is the number of hours I was spending. Yeah. I mean, I would wake up at probably five 30 in the morning, um, edit and post articles that came in overnight. Mm hmm go to work, do my regular job, come home and, you know, probably usually eat dinner, but then spend another couple hours working on uh, articles to post. And this was with, I had multiple uh, overtime assistant associate editors and just, you know, so many different writers and we were trying to cover so much. Wow. Wow. This is like, it's, it's fascinating because there's a lot that you did and took on. And then n- now, I guess the, the part two of that question is like, what are the things, I guess, what excites you about how we do things now? Um, well, for one, I'm not in charge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to work those hours. Again, it's um, like, uh, sor- sorry, Rob. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is also quite on, you know, Patreon yeah. didn't exist then. Ads were paying almost, you know, as I said, there was the dot-com bust. And so even after I had my own website, ad companies were still trying to figure out how to make it work. There was a time when I considered leaving my day job for Mm. the website. Wow. Um, But I had two young kids. I had a wife. I had, you know, my job uh, had good insurance. You know, it had, you know, all these different things. And what I was reading was, if you want to go freelance, you need to be working, making X percent to, you know, be able to level up. Mm -hmm. And I made that percent one year. And then the bottom dropped out again of all the ads. People realized you can't pay per impression. You can't even pay per click. You have to pay per purchase. Mm -hmm. And that really took the wind out of things. And so you know, as time went on, it was, you know, there were more and more people who were, um, you know, who I had helping me and I was, uh, you know, paying some of them. Uh, I do regret that I couldn't and didn't pay everyone who wrote for me. Um, there just wasn't the money there. And I was putting in all these hours, all these hours, and, you know, when I, when I looked back at it, I was probably making like $2 an hour. Mm. Um, and so at one point, you know, I, I had a discussion uh, with my father uh, who, who helped me with my taxes at that time. And he was like, you know, at some point you need to make a decision what you're doing here because, you know, you're, you're working all this time and I know you enjoy it, but um, is it really worth it? And I was still considering that. And then my computer died and it took a lot with it. It was at the end, near the end of one world. Um, And it just, my, my, my hard drive absolutely died on me and it took with it a number of my passwords and my links to like uh, FTP upload sites and all those other things. And I just said, well, okay. Um, you know what? I, I knew I was coming close to making a decision. 
this ends it much more abruptly than I intended to, but it looks like my decision is made. Wow. It's, I don't know why this is, it's so interesting because what you're doing in explaining all of this is taking me and even probably a bunch of the listeners back to a time that, you know, I've thought about a little bit recently in passing, but definitely don't appreciate, which is that when your computer died, everything was gone. If your phone, you know, exploded, Mm -hmm. your photos and everything aren't backed up. You don't have that all saved. And that also means you could lose your business or your livelihood or photos of your family or whatever else you have. Right. So there's a lot there. And it, it also helps me appreciate just how much has gone into you getting to this point. <laughs> and so I, I want to ask, actually, going back, because we've talked about we, we've maybe done this a little bit in reverse. Where we've talked about like the thing that's more familiar to people more of the last 20 years and even more of you starting things. And as this creator, I'm curious, like what, where did the journey start? David, tell me, I'm curious, like to go way, way back as far as your oldest memory, um, <laughs> you know, how did you grow up? Where did you grow up? Because I think a lot of people, myself included wonder, like what is it that makes someone one, someone who has an appreciation for rules um, two, someone who creates something, really in a time where other people weren't doing it, like pre-podcast era um, and pre, even pre-blog era. And a lot of people are probably wondering, like, one, what does it take for someone to, or like, what are the ingredients that make someone the type of person who is doing what you're doing? Because what you do, and we haven't even talked about like work and job and stuff outside of all of it, but what you do is probably like a pretty cool thing like i most of us as survivor fans would love to cover survivor as much as we do some of us myself included have the privilege of doing that but you know going back i'm curious how did you grow up like what were the ingredients that uh made you you that's a good question i mean i grew up uh i'm the oldest of uh three boys um in the chicago suburbs mm-hmm. Uh, my mother was a teacher. My father worked in sales for at first a, uh, a spring company. They made springs for mattresses. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in high school, he lost his job in the Reagan economy. Wow. Um, and we had to make do. We, you know, um, we went and sold things at flea markets. So my grandfather, had a belt company, a belt factory. And we would take his belts and sell them at flea markets. Uh, my my father saw, met a guy there at flea markets who printed his own shirts. Um, and so we, we started a, a deal with him, you know, selling shirts. And so, um, so yeah, I would, you know, like I said, when I was in high school, my weekends were frequently doing that. Um, my, my father would go to, uh, like county fairs and sell shirts there too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there were some overnight trips where we would sleep in the van, the the 71 Dodge van. Mm. Uh, and, um, and then he also, you know, tried a, a side business where he was selling mattresses. He actually had special mattresses made small enough to fit in the van 
he would take them to people's homes so they could try them out. Wow. Um, and he was just doing all these things to, you know, you know, my mother still was working, but to, so ends could meet. And, um, you know, eventually he did get uh, another job, uh, through his contacts in the industry at, a, a foam rubber company. Um, and, uh, so that was good, but even then, you know, he had to commute into Chicago, which was quite a commute, um, in terms of time, not so much distance, but the, the rush hour time. Mm. And, uh, so yeah, that's, you know, how, how we were brought up. I was always good at math and always good at writing mm-hmm. and, uh, and science. Uh, and so that's where it comes to, like I said earlier, you've got the, the engineer path or, you know, this writing path. Um, and so I, you know, ended up going to, um, going to school at, uh, well, here we go. University of Illinois. Um, I was a second, second generation (laughs) university of Illinois. Uh, both my parents were there. Uh, my kids were third generation. Uh, and so. Um, went there, uh, originally had planned to do a double major in two different types of engineering. Uh, instead dropped it. I majored in, uh, what was, uh, then called ceramic engineering, uh, which is not the making of mugs. Mm. Um, thank you for the clarification. Yes. Yes. Um, I needed that. Yeah. And, um, you know, because of, you know, the, the money situation was still not great. And I had a lot of, uh, AP credits. And so I did some summer school and I got it done in three years. Um, and then I went to grad school and, um, uh, still in ceramic engineering. Uh, now they call it material science and engineering, but, Mm. um, but I, uh, I went to grad school. My intent was to get a PhD and work in research. Uh, the problem was that to get a PhD, you had to pass the PhD qualifying exams. I was never a good studier. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is going to sound absolutely egotistical. And I know that it does. In high school and sometimes in college, things came, certain things came a little too easy for me. I right. never learned truly how to study. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like, would just, what were some of those things that came too easy for you? Just math and, and uh-huh. science and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I, again, I, I hate to talk about it this way, but like <laughs> when I took the GREs, the yeah. graduate exams, I didn't even look at the book until the night before I looked mm-hmm. at it and went, Oh my gosh, there's a logic section here. I didn't even know there was a logic section. I had no mm-hmm. clue. I looked through it. I took it. I got a perfect on the logic section. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And, uh, you know, similarly on the SAT, I got a perfect on the math section. Um, and, and again, this sounds like great things. And it was. I, I'm not, you know, I, I obviously I don't want to downplay myself, but I also don't want to like, sit here and pat myself on the back because yeah. I never learned how to study. So when it came time for PhD qualifying exams and I had to, sit down and try to study everything I had ever learned. Plus some things I had never learned. I found that I had no idea where to start. Wow. I just could not do it. So I postponed it and then I postponed it again. And then I said, you know what? I'm right now. I'm just going to get the master's degree. 
And unfortunately, uh, that didn't happen either because what ended up happening was I was working on low temperature glass. Okay. Which could be Mm -hmm. used in electronics purposes and other purposes. And there were a couple pieces of equipment that I need to use that kept breaking. And they were the type of thing that like takes months to get a new part in. And so I was working on this, working on this. And then my professor calls me in and says, um, the grant that you're working on that's paying you Mm -hmm. is expiring in three months. You yeah. need to wrap up your work. I was like, well, there's no way. Because it was a statistical analysis, and I didn't have enough. Another thing that slowed me down, if I back up a little bit, was mm-hmm. I had only planned to, do, to be a research assistant at that point. Um, but he needed a teaching assistant because the university had recently introduced rules that teaching assistants had to pass an English fluency exam. And so one of the ones that he had planned to do teaching assistant for one of his classes yeah. failed that exam. Mm. And so he needed me to step in and do that. Um, so that was more time away from my research. So I, I worked on this and, you know, low temperature glass doesn't sound terribly exciting. I recognize. I will say I did something a little more exciting leading up to that. The summer yeah. before um, the, the summer before my senior year, I worked at Argonne National Labs as mm-hmm. an intern on uh, high-temperature superconductors, which were mm-hmm. brand new at the time, ceramic superconductors. And those were pretty cool. It, it, what, what is a ceramic superconductor, <laughs> if I may? I, I know, I know, David, but okay. the, just, you know, the, right. the people, the, the ceramic thing. Yeah, so a, a superconductor is something that conducts without losing any electricity along the way. Okay. And so this was, you know, over 30 years ago, obviously, uh, closer to 32, 33, and they were yttrium barium copper oxides. Uh, they had been discovered and they were trying to figure out they, they did it at liquid nitrogen temperature, which was considered high temperature. So that. Okay. Um, and, uh, and so you, people might have seen. Now, depending on how old you are, uh, the picture of, you know, you've got this hockey puck looking thing and a little magnet floating over it. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's what we were doing with superconductors then. Um, and so I was lucky enough to get that internship and worked on those, ended up um, publishing one paper and being listed as as a writer on another paper from that. And, you know, like I said, at the time, I was planning to go into research. And so that was that was great. Uh, moved on to the glasses, like I said, uh, mm-hmm. sort of fast forward back up. The professor was like, okay, you're, you're out of time. And what I, so I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do here. I had a friend who was from a nearby city, nearby you know, city town, uh, and said, Hey, this government agency where I work is hiring engineers. Why don't mm-hmm. you work there? You can commute back on weekends and finish your research. And so that's what I did. I applied. I got a job. And my plan was to do that. And then I found out why that grant had run out with my professor. It's because he hadn't renewed it because he was moving to a different university to become the head of their department. Tricky, tricky. And sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. Yes, scheming yes. and plotting. Yes. Uh, and so 
you know, they don't keep around labs for professors who aren't there anymore. So I would have either had to find a way to attach myself to another professor or what my professor said was like, oh, just put together the data you've got. Mm -hmm. I did not feel like I had enough data to really create something. And so I never, I, I never had my dissertation. I never put it together. I had all the classwork done. Um, and I just never got my master's, uh, because I couldn't, couldn't do the dissertation. Yeah. Um, but then I was in a different field. I was now in environmental engineering. Well, one thing I want to ask about, you know, something that's occurring to me as you take a long sip out of your <laughs> mug with the rules, mm -hmm. um, is because I think about like even the rule of being flexible as one of them. And I've never really thought about this in the context of your rules, but I'm curious how much you see overlap with just your life and your journey. Cause it sounded like, I mean, I, I mentioned, you know, jokingly the, the head of the lab scheming and plotting mm -hmm. a little bit out of, you know, uh, not scheming and plotting too much because you didn't yeah. find out right. until much later, <laughs> but so maybe that worked out. Um, but I'm curious. Yeah. Like you had to be flexible in the face of what you're doing. Obviously it's kind of a crushing thing. If you like anyone could imagine working towards something, whether it's even like, the analogy of a puzzle where you're building the puzzle, you're building the puzzle and you're almost at the end, but you can't find the pieces that you need to complete it. And it's like, well, I guess I can't complete the puzzle. And it kind of sounds like you were facing that at that point. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, and again, this sounds weird talking about myself in this way. I find in some ways yeah. that I can be, flexible. I see other people who aren't as flexible. And I don't know if it's, I, I think it's just the way some people are hardwired. Mm -hmm. I can accept the answer. I don't know, for example. Yeah. Um, except when I ask my wife what we're doing for dinner and she says that, but, uh, but other than that, yeah. uh, you know, some things we just don't know. Whereas other people will be like, no, I must have an answer. And if I don't have an answer, I'll make up an answer. Mm -hmm. And I think that I have just been able to kind of move through changes in life and, you know, go with the flow as much as possible. Now, sometimes my personality has not been very go with the flow and it's a, a lot easier for me to look back on it now. But like when I moved to, you know, where I live now, which was moving from grad school, I remember my mother saying to me, you know, I, David, this, you know, I don't know how you can do this. Just move somewhere where you know nobody and you're moving to a new job and everything else and you don't know anybody there. And I was like, well, you just have to do what you have to do and, and you, you figure it out. And so I think that there are, you know, everybody's different. And so that's one thing that I try to remember is that just because I can do something a certain way or think of something in a certain way doesn't mean everybody's going to do that or put themselves in someone else's position. Yeah. Um, and so even, even my retirement, you know, uh, people have been asking me, David, what are you going to do in retirement? I don't know. Uh, I had plans pre COVID or I had thoughts about plans pre COVID, 
Mm-hmm. A lot of those things I can't do right now. Um, maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Right now, I don't know. Uh, there are some things that are very weird. You know, like I have been a saver my whole life. Um, I have not been a spender, which, you know, one thing that has allowed me to retire now. Yeah. And so it's weird, this concept that I won't be saving money anymore. I will be pulling money out of the accounts that I was putting money into. Mm-hmm. Um, that is weird, but you just, you know, I had to get past that. And um, a, a lot of like articles that I read, I like, don't retire from something, retire to something. And I was like, yeah, that's great in theory. It's a privilege. Yeah. I'm retiring from this job because I cannot do it anymore. The stress levels are too high. And so I'm retiring to not being in that job anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that's powerful. And I mean, that's, that's awesome to hear you even talking about that. And I think, you know, I think about who our community is and the listeners. And, you know, one thing that I've, I've heard a lot from pod friends so far is that people really appreciate hearing, you know, about people's journeys and about advice that they have and how they, you know, navigate some of these challenges because, you know, for a lot of people, for a lot of us, like we've had career transitions in the Mm -hmm. pandemic and just in general, like that's life. Even before the pandemic, a lot of people were facing those transitions and, Long after whatever point it's actually over, we'll continue to face those transitions. And so I'm curious from your perspective, because I imagine a lot of the people listening to this listenership are like in their 20s, maybe 30s, some even younger, obviously some a little older, too. But um, like when, when I when I I'm curious about your advice that you would have for navigating some of the difficult transitions you face. But in particular, maybe the framing I want to add is like, do you, would you, is there advice that you would give to your sons, like in your kids, like in, in the context of all this? I mean, there's, there's several pieces of advice that I give to them and have given to them. One yeah. is, you know, save as much money as you can. And, you know, so I, I mean, I grew up looking at families around me who were, you know, as soon as they got a little bit of money, they spent it. Mm -hmm. And then it came time for college and they were like, well, we don't have the money for college. Whereas my parents were more savers, which enabled us to also survive my father being laid off as well as, you know, the work that he did. Um, And so that's something that I have always done. You know, I hold on to cars for a long time. I don't, you know, I'm not the type of person to get a car every couple of years. I, I hold on to them often until they fall apart. Mm. Um, you know, both of my sons are now driving cars that either that belong to either me or some other family member that we, wow. you know, we got for them. Um, and so definitely saving what you can. Um, you also just, you need to be doing something that you enjoy because, mm-hmm. you know, um, one of my sons has known what he wanted to do like since middle school and he's doing that and he enjoys it. The other one had to figure it out a little bit, but I think he's in a place now where he's enjoying it as well. Mm-hmm. And 
that's you know what you you need to be able to do i so i wanted to do research to go back to that yeah and i vowed i will never work in an office and then i worked in an office for 30 years um but the i was lucky enough that the job posting that was available when i was looking was a more open thinking job role not something where you just do certain things by rote because mm-hmm. there were some positions for engineers at the agency i worked where yeah you just you do you do the same thing over and over again mine well uh it may surprise you to know that uh my job uh even as it changed for the last 30 years involved writing rules interpreting rules <laughs> enforcing rules you're consistent if, uh, yes. if if anyone ever says that you are not consistent david i i'm going to just throw the book of rules at yes them. um and that's what leads to th- i mean uh, when when I was listening to the last episode and you were talking yeah. to Grace and I think she mentioned being a rules lawyer. Yep. Uh, and I was thinking that sounds like me. And then yep. you called her the David Bloomberg of that podcast. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I have, uh, you know, and I know this is a tangent to, uh, from what you asked, but I have always been a rules kind of guy. When I played Dungeons and Dragons and similar games, I was a rules lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned I moderated message boards. I wrote rules um, before COVID when I played a lot of live poker, I was almost always the one that the floor and the floor is the one who's running the game would consult at, let's call them the unofficial rooms. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll call them home games um, where if something came up, they would say, well, David, how should we address this situation? Because they knew my familiarity with those rules. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I was, I was writing these regulations, even as an engineer, not a lawyer, uh, I was an engineer at law. Uh, it enabled me to take the two sides of my personality mm-hmm. um, and combine them. And yeah, you had to, it helped to be a rules lawyer because you could look and say, how can someone try to poke holes in this? And how can we stop them from poking holes in this? Because, mm-hmm. you know, they were government regulations. And you don't want someone to be able to find that little loophole and and get in there. And um, let me just say that uh, my experience with those who write laws, maybe not so careful all the time. Um, Interesting. I mean, and evil, I I imagine that that's something that someone who reads laws carefully would pick up on because that's the I mean it's like the terms and conditions like David I'd be surprised if you told me that there was a term or condition that you never you know that you that you that you haven't read I don't usually read those those are too much for me I got to admit okay um but um but yeah it's funny because we talk about rules and rules and um th- these rules you know these rules right here yes um behind you. are yes are Different because they're not, you know, uh, Christian Hubicki has told me a couple of times, well, mm. David, those are not really rules. They're more guidelines. You know, you should call them the mm. guidelines. I'm like, no, they're already on a poster. They've been the rules forever. You know, um, and that's bold. So, yeah. <laughs> Christian, I don't know. He might have to issue a retraction or some <laughs> kind of explanation for that. You can't just change the rules. You that's right. Turn, you can't turn rules into 
into suggestions into yeah. guidelines that oh my gosh that stressed me out yeah. i feel like that's a lot of reprinting reprinting <laughs> posters and t-shirts and mugs and other things exactly yeah. um and uh you know but that sort of rule type of thing is why like when when mike was not going to read his phrase on the most recent uh, season mm. of survivor and uh uh steven uh, got on Twitter and was like, no, it says you have to. And I was like, no, it doesn't. What it says is this. There's an if clause right. here and there's this here. And he's like arguing back and forth with me. And I'm like, Stephen, I'm telling you, this is the way I would interpret it. If I were, if, if this were a rule, I would not have written it this way. Right. But you had Mike and you had Daniel, who is an attorney. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that the producers who wrote this they didn't consult anyone. They wrote something and they thought it was fine until someone studied it. I went, well, actually, if you look at it this way, um, you know, shortly before I retired, a question came up. There was a debate internally mm-hmm. about some 50 year old regulations at the agency where I was. And it was like, well, how are we interpreting them this way? Well, I mean, you know, the thing was, 50 years ago, they didn't write rules the way we write them now. They they weren't as tight. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the, you know, that's where the interpretation portion comes in. And it's like, OK, now we have to have the lawyers look at all the other cases that were there at the same time and, and see what was going on. But, you know, what I always tried to do was you know, make it as bulletproof as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean. This is it's it's powerful though. That makes a lot of sense. And it's like, look, if you if you design the rules and everything in a way that's structured that it, that can ensure that the structure is strong enough to support whatever you're doing, that there aren't holes in it. Mm-hmm. But I guess you know something I wonder about going back to you know you mentioned high school and growing up. It almost sounds like you and you know because of your family and how you grew up making ends meet that you kind of had to be more of a hustler in some ways and kind of figure out how to make things work and you know maybe less for you more for your parents but how do we make ends meet in the face of challenges to like now where you're really you're really like making sure there aren't holes in, in the system. I don't know. To me, it seems like there's a, there's almost a conflict between this, you know, scrappy, we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out one way or the other versus this more analytical engineer type of mindset. Um, you know, lo- almost lawyerly type of mindset of like, this is how things need to be done. Did you like shift at some point to become someone who's more focused on, the structure and the rules and keeping everything together? Or was that just always there? I, it was probably always there. Cause like I said, I was, you know, I was a rules lawyer in Dungeons and Dragons in high school. <laughs> um, you know, I, I still remember playing a game. I think it was called top secret. So it was a James Bond type type game, okay. role playing game. And so, you know, of the roles you could be, you could be like a James Bond type character. Well, I started out, and my character was had computer skills. So I somehow managed to convince the game master that because of these computer skills, before I joined the spy service, mm-hmm. I had hacked an ATM to get enough money oh, no. to buy a upgraded like 
weapon. Um, you know, so yeah, rules lawyering, you know, if, if I hadn't been working for the government, like that's one thing that I will say people worried about when I retired. It's like, are you going to work for a consultant? Cause we don't really want to be on the opposite side of the table from you, you know, <laughs> necessarily here. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, no, but it's, it's interesting to hear that that's always kind of been there and mm -hmm. that people are, that people clearly fear you on the other end is, <laughs> is something that's take that, take that for what you will. I guess that's, yeah. maybe that's a good thing, um, depending on who's afraid. Yes. But, you know, I guess there's a, there's so much that we could talk about here in your experiences. And, you know, I, I started out questioning you about your rules about mm -hmm. fatherhood and how that ties together. But I mean, it, genuinely speaking, you know, a question I have is, are there rules or things you've learned along the way in that side of things in, in the family department? Whew. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, you know, every, Every situation is different there. I mean, be yeah. flexible would obviously be the key. But, you know, there were certain things like, for example, um, my uh, one of my sons had always had short hair, just, uh, just the way we did it. Yeah. And he wanted to his senior year grow out his hair. Mm -hmm. um, and as it turned out, growing out his hair meant a big fro, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> and so he just has really curly hair. Yeah. And um I think uh um I'm trying to remember his name. But anyway, um and so he wanted to grow it out and some people were like why are you letting him grow out his hair? And it's like well, why not? It's hair. Who cares? Yeah. You know? And so it's funny because he has his senior high school picture and right after taking that he stopped getting haircuts until he spoke at senior graduation and he had a full head of curly hair wow. he was the valedictorian and we spray painted well spray dyed <laughs> his hair the school colors right and so um and so it was just it, it was something you know fun for him to do and the you know but but people were like why are you letting him do that i'm like well why wouldn't i what is so terrible you know and if if he wanted to go with friends who I knew were okay, then yeah, I would let him. Um, and you know, other things like, like I said, he was the valedictorian. He mm -hmm. got straight A's since middle school, um, all the way through high school. And so, you know, sometimes the question would come up, uh, you know, from a family member or someone else, well, do you make him do homework? Like, no, he, he's, does it himself you know he he, mm -hmm. he knows what he needs to do he's going to do it himself yeah um until the point where he proves otherwise why would i you know clamp down on him in in any way um now there were other times uh when he was when he was much younger he uh and, and i like kindergarten age um he was um uh, he was like me in some ways, I guess he, huh? he uh, w was going to the bus and he saw that the bus driver was a substitute and this substitute had previously not known the route and wouldn't listen to him. Yeah. Can you imagine an adult not listening to a kindergartner? <laughs> you know, I, I just can't understand. 
And so he avoided the teacher who was supposed to be putting him on the bus and decided to walk home. Yeah. Now, yeah. we're not that far away, but, mm-hmm. you know, there is a, a, a fairly busy street uh, that lines our subdivision and it caused mass panic briefly mm-hmm. uh, when he wasn't on the bus and everything. Yeah. And I mean, his reasoning was I, I knew my way home. She didn't know how to get me home. Therefore, I will go home. And so obviously, you know, yeah. you had to talk to him about that later. Um, there was another bus driver who um, wouldn't listen to him. And I don't remember if this was also kindergarten or a little later. And he got mad and called her stupid Ooh. and got in trouble for that. Yeah. And I, I, so I talked to him and I was honest with him. I said, you're going to encounter people in this life who you believe are stupid, but you can't tell them that you can't <laughs> call them that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah that's, that's fair. That's that's realistic. It's like, yeah, that does happen. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you and say there are no people in this world who, you know, you will you will think they don't know what they're doing because there are. But yeah. you can't talk to them that way. Mm-hmm. And so um, so, you know, I think, like I said, being flexible in, in that regard and just knowing, you know, knowing when to trust, when, when to, to, to steal a line from, I think it was Reagan, when to trust, when to verify. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I, uh, it, you know, it's good. It's appropriate that this is a father's day time frame because yeah. I do think, yeah, I am, I'm very proud of uh, who they are now. Uh, they have a lot, a, a lot left ahead of them, but, I mean, they, they are my proudest accomplishment, um, just who they have become and, you know, the, the types of people that they are, the, um, you know, they're caring, they're, um, you know, they're, they're, they're both smart. They're both doing what they want. They have, you know, good friends, they have good relationships and, um, you know, they're, they're empathetic. They're just, all these things are everything that I could have ever hoped for, for them. And if either of them listen to this, they're, they're, you know, going to be embarrassed, but great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you, if you have a problem with this and you are somehow related by blood to David, (laughs) um, you know who to get in touch with That's actually right. you know what you could at me no yeah. david i'll take this one for you you could at me matt at matt scott gw <laughs> tweet me don't even dm me just tweet me publicly and then i'll tag you under it david. there we go <laughs> to deal with it personally no i mean this is this is all really interesting to hear it's interesting to kind of get in your head about how you how you look at things how you approach things just so people could better understand you beyond the simple framework of david's rules Mm -hmm. but i i you know i am you know sort of wondering thinking about fatherhood and we've talked about that like i think there. i mean also i won't even say i think you know from being young person there are a lot of lot of young people who either aren't sure or who flat out don't want to have kids and i'm sure you understand with just how the world is looking and mm-hmm. how things are going but i i'm curious if you have thoughts on 
that like if there's because i i really did want to ask you if there's anything that people are missing about parenthood that you would want the listeners and us all to know and understand but also if it sucks that also works (laughs) no i mean i i i have loved kids since i you know was you know younger uh you know when I remember the day that my youngest brother was brought home. I was in kindergarten. I ran mm. all the way home um, and uh, from school. Um, yeah. And uh, so I've always known that I wanted to be a father. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for a while, quite honestly, it was hard for me to understand people who didn't want kids. In some ways, it still is. I, I can often put myself in, in someone's place. Mm-hmm. That is one that is more difficult for me. And I think it's just so, I call it evolutionarily ingrained, whatever it is. Obviously, you know, evolution wants us to, you know, have kids. Um, and so it's hard for me to say, is it me thinking that or is it my genes telling me that? Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever it is, uh, I have always wanted kids. Now, we stopped it too. Um because we decided, you know, man to man was better than a zone defense. Um, <laughs> and uh, right. yeah, my um, pa- I'm one of four. So, you know, my, I think my parents said, OK, we have two hands each. So yeah. <laughs> that's the max. Um, I had a boss who had 10. Oh, so 10 hands. Well, 10 kids, uh, okay. not 10 hands. No, uh, that would have been convenient hands. for 10 yes. kids. Yeah. Um, but uh you know, we could have had a third, but, you know, we just, I don't know, didn't, didn't, we, we felt okay with two. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so that is, you know, it is hard for me. Like I said, I try to put myself in the mindset, even, even someone who disagrees with me on a political topic or some other topic, yeah. I try to put myself at least in their mindset. Well, here's what they're thinking when they're arguing with me. It's harder for me to do that because it's just so ingrained, but I understand it. I know some people don't want kids. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously that's, you know, a, a decision that everybody needs to make. Um, and uh, so I found it very fulfilling. Um, but that's just me. Other people find living without kids, very fulfilling. So I certainly mm-hmm. do not pass any judgment either way. Um, but like I said, I am more proud of them than perhaps anything else. You know, I think raising two good humans mm-hmm. <laughs> is, you know, in, in today's world, uh, I, I think is, you know, like I said, just, I'm, I'm proud of it. Yeah. One of the things I think is really interesting about today's world, too, and a, a reason that, you know, it may be, you know, I, I, why I at least imagine a lot of people not wanting to have kids is just the fact that we're all really being hit in the face with media constantly, with the world's problems mm-hmm. constantly, with social media, 24-hour news cycle, all of these things. And it really does make it tough when you're like, oh, well, I can have a kid, but there are all of these issues. And I think that the, you know, the other, the other thing that's important for people to appreciate, it's like that, you know, 
the world could still be a beautiful thing. And I have a three and a half year old nephew um, and another nephew on the way in the next yeah. couple of months by the end of this summer. And just thinking about what the world will be like for them, you know, it, it, it uh, thankfully I'm not, you know, thankfully my sister and brother-in-law are having a kid and will, you know, will be responsible for, for, for their kids. But also I could be motivated to like, make the world a better place for them and do what I can to make it something that we're, you know, we're happy that they could be in. And, and I, and I get it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of resignation in the face of the world's problems, but you know what? There are also a lot of cool, cool, um, like people, people trying to make progress and turn things around. So it's a nuanced, it's a nuanced thing, but actually what this has gotten me thinking about is like, um, in one sense, I don't know if it's just generational differences or um, even just differences in like how you might look at things versus how, you know, some younger folks with this popular narrative of not wanting to have kids might look at things. But I think about you in the context of RHAP in this community. And, you know, obviously, I'll say from my perspective, it's one thing as a 30 year old to be able to like connect with the community. But I wonder for you, like, what has that been like? Obviously, as someone who is more seasoned, more experienced, more of a legend than uh, most of us, like, I don't know, has, has there been anything notable in that sense over time in the community? Um, and have you noticed, like, ha has it been easy for you to connect with folks? Has it been more difficult? I'm so curious just about your perspective on all that. I mean, I think it is a little more difficult for me. I mean, everybody tends to, in most cases, kind of, aggregate with their own age group it's just mm. natural yeah um and so you know when you know when almost all the other podcasters and much of the community is younger it's it is sometimes more difficult you know they're um now i don't live near well anybody anyway um but you know it, it would it's not like I'm going to hang out at the bars uh, with with people in their 20s, you know, mm. or the online equivalent of that. Yeah. Um, so now this community has people my age uh, as well, some of whom have been you know, reading since my reality news online days. Nice. And the community overall is still no, no matter what the age group is still incredibly open and welcoming mm -hmm. and um, just overall supportive and i can say that you know from my own experiences i mean i had a, a you know a health issue uh serious health i mean yeah serious health issue at the um uh end of october 2020 right and uh posted about it because i wanted to explain to patrons why i wasn't doing the final big brother why blank lost for that season and the number of cards and uh gifts and messages that i got was absolutely overwhelming mm -hmm. i still have them i still have all the cards uh some of them were handmade wow. uh you know some of them were it was just amazing i can't even list all the different things and so you know that's the community that we have here and so from that perspective yes i you know absolutely feel you know, a part of that community. And yeah, I can have conversations with people who are younger than my own kids. And, you know, and so it's, it's just, 
it's very interesting in that in that way um you know uh like look at some of the even some of the players on survivor yeah um my son knew a friend of zach wow yeah okay he heard things a couple of times before i did from this friend of zach's Mm -hmm. um just some some you know pieces of information right um and so uh you know you get that from these different worlds you know i've i there have been um there was at least one person who said to my son wait your dad is david bloomberg the podcaster (laughs) you know which my son was like you actually know him you know um um you know, I had someone at work. I had a coworker, not a close coworker, but in the same area yeah. who came up to me and he was like, you're David Bloomberg. It's like, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, you know, we became friends. And so, um, it's, you know, it's just interesting that, yeah, there is this age difference and sometimes, yeah, it can be different, but I also use it as learning. I mm-hmm. feel that I have learned a lot from younger people, younger, younger podcasters, you in particular, um, you and some of the podcasts that you have set up. Yeah. Um, I have learned things, uh, you know, just that I I don't feel like I would have otherwise learned. Hmm. Um, everything from, you know, like why do people put pronouns in their, in their bios? Okay. I never understood that. I was like, well, I, I, I'm a he. Why would I put that in there? Oh, it is to support and, you know, other people who may not use those same pronouns. Mm-hmm. I never understood that until uh, it, it, there was a podcast where it was discussed. Yeah. And so I have, you know, since added those um, just things like that, that I don't know your perspective. I don't know lots of perspective. Yes. My, you know, my family had to make ends meet, but that doesn't put me in the same position as everybody else. I mean, I grew up in the suburbs, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, I I had lots of advantages, even if I had some disadvantages, even if I had to work in some areas, I had lots of advantages that other people don't have. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this community has definitely helped me. In that way, to understand it, even, you know, you you can teach an old dog new tricks. Look, I'm I I wasn't expecting it to like you you end there, but that's like a good, a a solid point right there. And, you know, I think I think the other aspect of it that I was thinking about as you were saying that was even the first episode of this pod friends season with T-Bird, T-Bird mm-hmm. Cooper. And, you know, we were having a conversation that was sort of similar to this. And she was saying, you know, I, I learned so much from people that I talk with. I've learned from you in this conversation. And we were, she asked me about like the definition of, you know, when I use the word queer, for instance, like, what right. does that mean? And obviously, as you know, too, I'm sure. And a lot of people know there's been evolution with mm-hmm. like, even with that word, even in my lifetime, I could think of an evolution with that word and how how it's been used um, from being, you know, more of like an insult and less acceptable to being something that's really claimed by by a group and identity. And there's so much there. Right. But 
I think that there's also credit that you deserve within that. Just like I, just like with T Bird, is you have to have an open mind, and you know sometimes. Okay, David. First of all, I wouldn't have called you an old dog, but uh, later but days. You can't we'll go teach. with Evie. We'll go with Evie. Later days. Is yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you can't teach someone in their later days. Yeah. I, I don't even love that. <laughs> sorry, Evie. <laughs> I hope Evie's not. Uh, sorry, Evie. Yeah, Evie is tuned in. Yeah. And so I think that, like, yeah, you can teach someone in their later days uh, new tricks. You could, Sometimes people aren't open, though. And so you deserve credit for people being open. And um, I don't know, just being welcoming when it comes to to that stuff. But I want to ask... Do you have an idea of, you know, you, you've retired from your full-time work, but do you have an idea of what you imagine your your future with this community and what the trajectory would be in, a, in an ideal world? You know, imagining that like health isn't a factor or other things aren't factors, we can't predict those, right. unfortunately, yeah. oftentimes. Like, what would you like your future in the community to look like? I mean, I, I definitely want to, you know, continue podcasting. Uh, um, you know, ideally, I would do more of it, but there are so many great podcasters already covering so much. Yeah, that you know, it's it's an interesting area. Um, and so I, I don't know. I am open to you know all sorts of different things. Um, I've tried, you know, as as people know, either from Twitter or uh, from from the podcasts, you know, I jumped into TikTok. Now, mm -hmm. I'm not doing dances on TikTok. I'm not, you know. Um, yeah. Talk yeah. about talk about your TikTok relate your relationship with TikTok, because you are maybe the most prolific rap personality <laughs> on TikTok. Other than TikTok, Nicole, I have to give a give that <laughs> shout to Nicole Horn for that. But yeah, what what is going on with you and TikTok, David? So what happened was, you know, I thought of TikTok as the same thing most people do. Oh, it's a bunch of people dancing and uh, kids these days. Mm -hmm. um, but we, you know, uh, the RHAP social media coordinator, Hannah, uh, did a presentation about TikTok. Were you on that? At the I was same there. Time? Yeah. yeah, I was there. Um, and I was like, well, OK, I'll give it a try. I'll I'll take a look at it. And I, you know, started doing a few things and i saw that and that was one of the most important things that, that hannah said was it's not just what the cliche says it is yeah a lot of it is but it's not just that and i found a lot of other communicators there's science communicators there's doctors there's just all sorts of people on there and um so yeah i started just putting clips on tiktok and um you know, my first, what I would, what at the time I considered to be, you know, blew up was when Evie, uh, did a, is it a stitch or a duet with me? I can't remember exactly. Um, where I had done a clip from a secret scene of, uh, them, uh, playing drums at camp, which was yeah. really banging pots and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And Evie had some friends and they kind of, you know, uh, sing along with uh, the song there <laughs> and uh, uh that obviously drew more attention with evie being you know a contestant at the time um since then i i try to do one a day at least one a day during the survivor season 
I was, you know, sometimes or, you know, big brother season, well, celebrity big brother. I was doing maybe two, sometimes three a day. Mm -hmm. Uh, right now, uh, it's, it's a stretch to get one a day. Um, but, um, you know, I'm covering other things during, during the Australian survivor. I did very, very condensed mini Y blank losts, uh, super condensed. I mean, you know, anyone who watches the podcast normally knows we can go anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half or longer. Right. And these were a minute to 90 seconds, sometimes maybe almost two minutes, but mm-hmm. um, just focusing on the, the main topics. Uh, and so, you know, I expect I'll be doing that again for uh, um, South African Survivor. And I'm sure that I'll be doing more TikToks as Big Brother gears up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, one question I I asked before I ask more about what's ahead is what. Okay, this might sound ridiculous, but like. I can't. I do not. I do not TikTok, David. I do not TikTok. And I know many people who don't TikTok. What is the appeal of TikToking? It's like it's weird because even as I when you say TikTok, it sounds natural. When I say TikTok. It sounds like I'm talking about a clock, and people are like, "What are clocks anymore? Like dig- yeah. digital clocks don't TikTok." So, what is why why TikTok, and how does someone get started with that? Because I'm intimidated. I mean, the why was just honestly because of Hannah's presentation, you know. And I thought, well, I'll give it a shot and see where it goes. Now, do I have a huge number of followers? No, I have like 1,400. Uh, in since I started, which was somewhere around the beginning of Survivor 41, I've got like 52,000 likes, which seems like a lot. Um, yeah, but it's not like I'm ever uh, blowing up. There were a couple of like, I think celebrity big brother things that, you know, blew up to 50,000 type views. Mm-hmm. There was a part of an interview that I did with Voce where he talked about Survivor having a fairness judge that uh, went up to like 50 some thousand views. Yeah. Um, usually they probably get about 1200 views, sometimes a couple thousand, a few thousand, you know, sometimes they'll go to 10. Um, I would expect with big brother coming back for whatever reason, I think big brother gets more, at least celebrity big brother did. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's just something interesting. You know, it helps feed my creative side. Um, I've been on Twitter a long time, but there are certain things you can't do on Twitter. Or sometimes I'll make a joke on Twitter and then I'll turn it into a TikTok. Uh, but yeah. um, it just, you know, sometimes I see something and I'm like, oh, that's funny the way that connects. So I'll, I'll put it together. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, you know, I put them on Instagram too, but I'm like barely on Instagram. Mm. So that's, you know, like I have a few hundred people uh, who follow me on Instagram. Um, but you know, maybe I increase that. I know that there are people out there who they Twitch, they YouTube, they, all those other things. I'm not a gamer, so I don't know about, you know, doing something like that, but, uh, um, you know, we'll see where it it goes. It probably won't, you know, I, I, I don't expect to ever get like a uh, retirement supplement from, uh, from TikTok. Um, 
you know, happen. Yeah. I mean, like a, a while ago, I enabled tips on Twitter because I was like, well, why not? If someone really desperately wants to give me money, who am I to say no? Uh, but like, I never, this is the first time I've ever mentioned that. I never even mentioned it on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and so, I mean, and in most cases, quite honestly, there's probably something better you could do with your money. Uh, probably something that will help the world more. Uh, so, well, uh, you, probably though is the important word yeah. here. Maybe if anyone feels inclined from this interview, <laughs> if you're listening to this point and you are so inspired, reach deep into your <laughs> Twitter pockets and give David. A, I don't know how the tips work. I, See, I, I feel like, <laughs> but this is the thing. This is something that I, as we kind of get closer to the end of this interview, something that I'm so fascinated by which is that you, I mean, you have this track record as a creator before many of us were creating, you know, and, you know, before a lot of people in general were creating, I mean, like in, in the mm -hmm. world there, you, you, that goes without saying, and yet you're still managing to stay ahead in terms of some of those things, whether it's enabling tips on Twitter um, or uh, deep into those pockets yeah. um, or, you know, whether it's like whether it's getting on TikTok. And I'm just curious of advice that you have for people on how to stay, you know, how to stay ahead of the game or on the. I don't know if it's called like the bleeding edge or whatever, but how to stay ahead of the game when it comes to creating and doing what you're doing. Because I mean, again, I've even looked at TikTok and some of these things like, look, I worked with social media. I know enough about social media. I don't need to touch TikTok or whatever it might be. How do you, how, what advice do you have for people to like stay engaged and stay on top of all that? I don't know that I'm the right. I, I know. I, and I, I thank you for the compliments about staying on the leading edge. I don't know that I've ever been on the leading edge of the more recent things. I was with writing about Survivor. There's you know, no doubt about that. Uh, I wasn't with podcasting. You know, I had the opportunity to try podcasting early on. And I was like, I, I don't really understand this. I don't have time for this. Um, and, you know, even when it came to video podcasting, Jessica was the one who had to convince me, uh, as she mm. often reminds me. Um, and really it took the pandemic for that. Yeah. Uh, part of it was, I didn't really feel comfortable putting myself on a screen. I, mm -hmm. You know, does do people really want to look at me? Um, you know, yes. they hear me. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, but with the pandemic and so many people at the time being, you know, they they weren't having their commutes to work. Like I wasn't, um, they, you know, they were indoors. They wanted more of that engagement. And so that's why I did it. Um, TikTok, you know, there were a lot of people there ahead of me. And I'm still way behind lots of other people. Um, it was just something I decided, you well, know, I'll give it a shot. And, you know, I'll spend a little time on it. Um, Twitter, uh, I really only got onto to promote my website way back when. Mm -hmm. uh, even Facebook. I got onto Facebook for two reasons originally. One was to promote my website, and two was because like my family was making announcements there that I didn't know about. Like my mother one time said, "Oh yeah," and then when your cousin has the baby, I'm like, "Wait, she's pregnant?" Oh god. Oh yeah, she announced it on Facebook. It's like, oh, okay, I guess I got to get on Facebook. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know. Um, I now wish that I 
didn't see that cousin on Facebook, but yeah, um, well, you know, I was gonna say you could run in the opposite direction. That, nowadays, well, that one actually did direction. run in the opposite. Oh, direction. So, oh, look at that. You know, no, I mean towards the yeah. Anyway, oh yeah, I'm I'm not surprised, uh, yeah. but yeah, um, Facebook in general, yeah. not not the place to be these days. Yeah. Um, you know, Twitter. Anyone who follows me on Twitter, they know it's a combination of survivor and reality tv science politics among other random things and you know i'm sure some people throw this off i know that there have been people who followed me for survivor saw my political stuff and was like oh you should stick to survivor or i'm not gonna do this or whatever all right bye you know that's fine i'll i'll be fine Mm -hmm. you know uh and and so i'm you know going to still try to make this world a better place whether it's through you know, reality TV or through voicing my views on other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's powerful stuff. And, you know, I, there's so much I could ask about and dig into, but we have to wrap up or else we could, I'm not trying, I don't want Marianne to be upset with me. And, you know, we've got got a lot of time before we get to Marianne. No, 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 David, the, (laughs) the, what the people don't know is that we're actually right now we're at the, five hour mark of the interview i just cut it down because scott st pierre said to me matt this file's too big i can't upload it to the podcast app marianne took up all of our storage for the month so that's my story and i'm sticking to it Mm -hmm. Uh, but i i want to ask you know thinking of your story and summing it up um i i I don't know well first of all I would love to say it'd be great if you wrote a book or doc or had a documentary about your life and your story, <laughs> summing it all up. Hopefully you're working on that book, but more than that, I, I, you know, I, I asked this question to everyone of if your life were a book or documentary, what would the title be? And why do you have a title? Well, you asked this on Twitter at one point, or maybe it was the patron Facebook. I, I asked, I, I did ask it on Twitter actually at one point. And my snap reaction uh-huh. was why David won. <laughs> okay. And since then I knew you were going to ask that question okay. and I've thought about it and I'm still uh-huh. going to stick with it. Um, I, you know, because I have had a lot of things happen in my life. You know, I mean, within the last four years, I've almost died twice. Okay. Um, and yet I'm still here and yeah. I, you know, I, my career did not go in the path that I thought it would. It didn't necessarily end on the terms that I thought it would. Mm -hmm. Um, but I worked through it and I'm here. Uh, you know, I have, um, my wife had health issues. She, a year ago, uh, was diagnosed almost to the day a year ago was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. And, uh, she just finished, uh, just last week finished radiation. Looks like it's gone. Um, and so, um, amazing. Yeah. And so, you know, I still think even with all of the things that have gone on, you know, I'm not Bill Gates. I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not someone powerful, super powerful, super rich, whatever. But I still think that like I said, through my life, I have, I have won. Uh, hopefully, you know, 
keep on for another, you know, few decades here. Um, you know, you know, uh, but I, I do think that combined with op- the obvious play on, you know, the, uh, uh, <laughs> the rules, um, By the mug. Yes. Uh, that, uh, I, you know, I think that would be the, the book title. Oh, that's powerful. And it's, it's, it's powerful because just to hear that appreciation for, what you've overcome in that process. And you also said this earlier, but you know, there, there are other people in this world who've had more challenges and less privileges and, you know, less advantages. There are also people who've had more of those, Mm -hmm. but I think beyond all of that, you know, something that I, I appreciate and I think kind of came up when I was talking with T-Bird, talking with T-Bird, talking with (laughs) T-Bird on pod friends, uh, no confusion there. Um, it's just that like everyone has their worst and, you know, your worst might be different than my worst, but mm-hmm. it's still our worst. And right. that's kind of something that we have to navigate and go through. And I appreciate you sharing so much of that journey and who you are and what makes you who you are. I want to ask, you mentioned your title, why David won. I want to ask, like, is there anything about else about yourself? First of all, that you wish other people like new just to start there. Wow. Um, Big question, right? You're like, Oh, yeah. okay. You're going to have to buy the book one day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I did almost write a book on survivor, mm-hmm. um, but that was, it, it was uh, bad timing. And then, you know, Boston Rob went out there and wrote his book. And then, so who knows? I mean, it's uh, possible. I, I have to, you know. I have to say, by the way, David, between us, not a great book, not a great book. I have the audio book version. I can't remember if I ended up getting that. I don't think I did. Um, but I think I've seen uh, clips, but I'll risk, I'll respect to him, but yes. uh, the audio book is very fascinating to listen to. Yeah. Um, anyway, you were saying Boston oh. Rob ruins your That's life right. when yeah. he yeah. put his book out there. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's so many different things, you know, as, um, one thing that I, I do is for, my podcasts, I prepare, and Jessica has made jokes about this. I prepare extensive notes because I never want to forget anything. <laughs> um, and inevitably, you know, I still do. So I'm sure that when we're done here, I will be like, ah, oh, I wish I had brought up this. I mean, there are all sorts of different stories, you know, some mm-hmm. of which I've told before, some of which I haven't told before. Um, there, you know, and so. There are areas where I've been active that I have become less active. I, I might get more active in um, that. I, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to say, you know, what, what would people be interested in knowing about me? Um, you know, even the questions that you asked me, I, I feel like I, I often veered off in, in different directions there. There are a lot um, of directions to go in. Yes. Lots of twists and turns. Yes. So, um, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm better with the direct questions than the, uh, uh, you know, and then I still take them off in, in, in different ways. Um, yeah, but I think that, I think that that's kind of part of what's interesting is that there's so much more to everyone who mm-hmm. we sit and interview with or who I sit and interview with, but really, um, I keep saying, I feel like I keep saying we in reference to this because I do really feel like the listeners who are tuning in now are like part of that journey. 
something I, I like to do in wrapping up is just give the interviewee a chance to kind of leave the audience with any final words beyond the plugs and all that stuff. Like, is there anything that you want to say or hope that people will, you know, talk directly to the audience, anything you hope that they'll take away from today, whatever you want to say, it's the floor is yours, David. Um, I think just, uh, you know, with the timing that this is airing, uh, happy father's day to all the fathers mm. out there. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't think, I understood until I had kids of my own, I didn't understand how parents feel about their own kids. Um, you know, I, I moved away from, from my own, uh, parents. My kids have moved away from me. It is difficult. Uh, at least for me, it is. And, um, it, it's, you know, it's difficult to let go, but, uh, you know, you've, you've, you just have to let them, do what they need to do and be happy in their accomplishments. And so, um, you know, I know I mentioned it before. They, uh, my sons, I, I'm, they're my proudest accomplishment and I don't want to take away from what they did. I don't want to make it sound like I, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, hopefully somewhere along the lines, we did something right. And, uh, so I, I guess that would be my closing thought. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to, for watching this week's episode of Pod Friends and this conversation I had with David Bloomberg. It's so interesting when we associate people with a thing or with looking at the world a certain way. And I think for David, especially, where he talks so much about the rules and talks about why people lost, there is so much we hear from him, and yet there's so much we still don't. And so I want to thank him for opening up about his journey and about how at the end of the day, even through so many different challenges, even ones that I didn't expect to hear about along the way, that he's still winning. And there's that resilience. There's a positive message there that things aren't always perfect, but we can win. Um, and um, I look forward to talking with David more about why he won. But before signing out just want to encourage you if you enjoyed this number one to share the podcast like post a link use hashtag pod friends and hashtag rhap just to spread the word and tell a friend tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend even as the iconic bryce isaiah would say and i mentioned at the top of this episode happy pride it's pride month um but also want to encourage you if you're listening and if you're a survivor fan like me like david that you check out the pride has spoken a podcast series celebrating lgbtq plus survivors i'm doing that with dr evie jagoda and with the one and only grace leader and just thrilled that we could put that out there into the world and talk about survivor in a lens that we don't often hear about which is also what pod friends is all about looking forward to next week's episode where you will hear from none other than Beth Dixon, who you might know from the Drag Race podcast and from so much more. And so I'm thrilled that Beth and I could sit down for a conversation. And I am thrilled that you could be a fly on the wall for that conversation, because I think it's a really solid way to kind of cap up, cap off these Pride Month episodes. But thanks again, everyone, for being on the journey. And as I say, at the end of each and every one of these episodes, thank you for being a pod friend. Take care.